Hey friends, this is Josh Blair. I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the message you hear today will encourage you, inspire you, and help you walk closer with Jesus this week. So for the past month and three weeks, being here as well would be the three weeks, we've been living out of a suitcase. Uh, We've been going city to city, and we do these things called city invasion. And so we were in Colima, Colima. We ministered to 8,189 people on the street, and we saw 5,230 people come to Christ on the street. In Guadalajara, we ministered to 5,086 people on the street, when, and 3,641 people came to Christ. In Puerto Vallarta, we ministered to 4,900 people, and we had 3,525 people come to Christ and over 100 documented healings. That is Jesus. We can't make it happen. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit, people can say that Jesus is the Son of God. You cannot make anybody do that on their own. And... Um, We work hard. We work really, 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 really hard. Um, Say goodbye to nap schedules for our children and uh, staying with a consistent schedule because usually it's early morning and late nights. And if I go to somewhere my kids and my wife can't go, I come home sometimes with them in bed. And we work hard. Psalm 84, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Blessed is that man. We want to set our hearts on pilgrimage, even living in Madeira, as familiar as we can be with our own town. That we're here to do what God has asked of us. God is moving in Mexico. Mexico is at war with itself. Um, I could tell you some stories right now that you would say, get out of here, you're lying. Um, but I'm not because I want to focus on Jesus. And we live in a town that is, we live in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, uh, Tamaulipas, and we love it. Um, we get to go and minister to the immigrants uh, that are trying to get into the U.S. We minister to the, uh, I don't know if you call them Congans, but they're from Congo. <laughs> And uh, there's lots of people from the Congo trying to get into the U.S. There's lots of people from Venezuela trying to get into the U.S. And they're trying to get in legally, um, a big population of them. And their stories are absolutely incredible what they have gone through to get there. And we sit there, we listen to them, we feed them, we bring them water. Because uh, the Mexican government does not supply anything. They supply a slab of cement and say, fend for yourself. And if you don't get accepted, get out of our country. We don't want you here. Um, I, now, I know that the immigrant thing is a touchy subject for many people. But most of what you see on the news is garbage. Most of it. I would say almost 100%. And... Um, As the body of Christ, we are to have compassion and mercy and love with every single person in this universe, including the immigrantes, including them. And so the people come from Venezuela, and when somebody tells you 
I had two choices, starve to death or try to do something better for my life. You're going to see it a little different. When you see videos on their cell phone of the rebels coming into their city and burning a whole village and killing people, live footage from their own phone, you start to think a little different. You start to have a little more compassion, a little more mercy. And that's what we're called to as the body of Christ. We are called to have compassion and see people with the eyes of Jesus. Give to Caesar what he wants, but do as your king Jesus asks of you. Jesus is our king, and that's who we serve. I, I, there's good things that happen in politics, believe it or not, but really, we serve Jesus. We are sojourners in this earth, and we are to live as if we are sojourners in this earth. And um, I, um, I love the immigrant people. I've sat there and held a woman that was, just got denied from the U.S. She waited six months just to get a meeting. Took another six months to get there, around six months to get to the border. Waited six months to get her meeting and got denied because she answered one question wrong. And she had two options. I stay in Venezuela and starve to death or I make my way and try to better my life. My great-grandparents were immigrants to this country from Germany. They were, they were hung in rafters by the Nazi regime. Like, I understand when somebody says, I want to do something better. But ultimately, the best thing you can do in your life, the best thing you can do in your life, the most important decision of your entire life. This is not me just saying something nice right now. This is a history reality check for our lives is that we give our life to Christ. That is the greatest miracle that you can give your life to Christ and that you can become a new creation immediately. The inside of you is completely transformed. You can now, you now have power over sin. You never had it before. He gives you the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside so you can say no to sin. Before you gave your life to Christ, you were a zombie. You had zero power over sin and over your flesh. Zero. And so we have now the power of the Holy Spirit. So we get to lead these people to Christ. We get to watch them say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want my citizenship in heaven. Then we go through the scriptures with them and say, what does it look like to be happy? Well, blessed are the poor in spirit. For there's that, this is what it means to be, the word blessed means happy. So we go through, we go through the Beatitudes. Jesus lays the model out of what being happy is. You know, we, I've actually heard, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, preached so wrong for so many years. What it means to mourn, blessed are those who mourn, happy is the person who mourn. Why would Jesus want you to be happy in your mourning? Why? Because he wants you to recognize your utter need for him. And when you recognize your utter need for him, you begin to mourn saying, oh, God, I didn't know there was so much more in you, and I want to experience more of you. And so then he comes in and comforts you by the power of the Holy Spirit, so you are now comforted. And he meets your mourning, and it causes you to hunger for more of him. 
He doesn't want you to be sad. He's not saying blessed is the person who's sad because they lost a relative. That would be crazy, and I've heard that for so long. No, happy is the man who mourns over his lack, who realizes how much more there is in God and how deep and vast his love for them is. For he will comfort that kind of mourning. He'll meet you in your mourning when you realize how much you need him. His purpose in life is to make what was lost in the garden to come back. That is his purpose. He want, would immediately, when Adam and Eve jacked everything up, he had a plan immediately. And that was to bring intimate communion by the power of the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit back into the body of Christ so we could hear him again, we could taste him again, we could feel him again. That's what he wanted, nearness. He wanted to be near. Have you ever thought about why God whispers? He doesn't yell at you. He whispers because he's close. When you whisper, it's intimate. When I whisper into my wife's ear, she usually giggles because it tickles her. But when I whisper into my wife's ear, it's because it's intimate. And she can feel the power of that intimate relationship with her. It's the same with God. He wants you to feel the intimate relationship and the power of that love through the whisper of his voice. And that's why he gives you ears by the Holy Spirit to hear him. Jesus died and put his spirit inside of you so that he could live even closer. You know, he says to his disciples, they're about to encounter a shocking uh, they're just about to encounter shock. Their best friend is about to leave. And he tells them, I'm going away. And he says, it's better for you that I leave. Jesus is like, it's better, guys, that I leave. And they're probably looking at him like, you're crazy. We don't want you to go. And he's like, so that I can send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to comfort you. And so the Holy Spirit comes. And I remember meditating that on the prayer room. And I was, God, what does this actually mean? And he's saying, it wasn't enough for me to walk next to you. I had to be inside of you. I had to be close to you. God desires nearness. And he has, he has words that he wants to whisper to you. This is, the world is painting a picture now that, oh, you think you can hear God's voice like it's crazy? No, we can hear his voice. It's not crazy. He's real and really relational. If you've seen some of the things I've seen, man, yeah, a lot of your, a lot of our, our knowledge gets shattered. <laughs> so I'm going to share stories. And, um, you know, before I came home, I prepared like five messages. And the Lord just said no. And messages that I really like. Like, let's talk, let's talk about um, the Godhead and Let's talk about hearing the voice of God and practicals. And I was, had all these things. And the Lord said, no, I want to share. I want you to share what I've been doing in your heart personally. I want you to share that. So I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to share some things. Um, so the first time, actually, Josh, uh, Pastor Josh, I'm going to call you Josh. I feel weird calling you Pastor Josh. Sorry, dude. <laughs> uh Josh, I called him and kind of expressed to him down the road while we were there, like, man, I'm kind of frustrated. 
Um, and he had really given me a good story that really helped me put in things perspective. But God has been doing good things. We have been bearing so much fruit in Mexico. And um, so we get there. And, um, well, let me start off with this story here. My good friend, uh, Roberto, he's teaching me most of my Spanish. He doesn't know much English. Um, and uh, he says, Shane, well, the first day I get to the, get to the ministry, I run over the ministry dog. That, then it set off too well for the first day. Beautiful German shepherd. We have seven German shepherds to kind of keep an eye on the base. And, uh, well, anyways, I pray for the dog, and the dog gets healed. So it was kind of like a like bad way to start off, but it was kind of like set the tone for me being there. And uh, everybody was kind of like, your first miracle here, here, here is healing a broken leg on a dog. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. I haven't seen that yet. Um, so... That kind of set the tone. And then my friend Roberto, he had a thing around his arm, and we prayed for him, and boom, he was immediately, pray five seconds. Jesus touched him. Jesus healed him. So it set the tone for us, and now they're like, we want you guys praying for everybody that's sick. And uh, I've been pursuing healing and pursuing hearing the voice of God since 2012. I've given my life to that. Um, and... Uh, and many other things, the place of prayer. And so Roberto comes and says, hey, bro, you want to you wanna go to the cartel prison? I got an in. I'm like, yeah, let's go. This would be great. Um, now, let me tell you, prison over in Mexico is nothing like prison in the U.S. They got little Caesars in there. They got cable TV. The inmates have the keys to the cells. Like, there's no guards. <laughs> there's one guard at the front door. Uh, when you go in, and he's owned by the cartel, so they're all the same. And uh, so it was interesting going in. Um, I was very excited to go in. Now, if you tell me it's dangerous, I'm going for it. So don't ever tell me it's going to be dangerous because it's not going to, if you're going to tell me to keep me from doing something, I'm not going to listen. Um, because I've found out where it's most dangerous, Jesus gets glorified the most. He gets glorified the most. You see it in China. You see it in Pakistan, you see it in India, you see it all over the world where things are intensifying. And you see it in, in neighborhoods, even in the U.S., where things are intense. And uh, we go in and we do a miracle meeting, and they, these inmates, this, they're getting slayed in the spirit in the, on the dirt thing floor. It's like a little field, dirt field. And they're just, God is encountering them. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And then they say, hey, Shay, do you want to go um, with us to uh, the sick quarantine? Um, and do you want to go with us to the punishment room? And do you want to go with us to uh, solitary confinement? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Vamanos. So we get, we get going. We go up to the sick quarantine. The sick quarantine is where they put tuberculosis and um, all the diseases where they just basically leave you to die. They're not going to take care of you. We go up there. We bring the power of the gospel. We give gospel Johns to everybody. We say flip with us um, to this chapter, this chapter, this verse. We start going through. And we always start off with telling them, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And then we go to the next scripture, what it's required of you to be a, a Christian. 
Then we go to the next scripture, and we go to the next, and we prayed for them, and we went through the scriptures with them, and then we tell them the word of God is your life. It's your life. This is the manual on what you were created to be like since the foundations of the world. This is how you were meant to be. It's not a set of rules. We, that's been, that's, that is not at all what Jesus was trying to say through the word. He's saying this is what you were originally meant to live like. This is what you were originally meant to live like. If you see someone who needs a tunic and you have two, you give them the tunics. That's what you were meant to live like. You know why you get excited when you give away to somebody and you bring joy to their heart? Because you are meant to not live for yourself. You are meant to live for others. That's what we were meant for. So we leave the sick quarantine. Um, babe, could I get that water bottle? And uh, we leave the sick quarantine and we uh, go to salt, uh, the punishment room. Now, the punishment room is a very small room. And this small room is 15 guys. And they open the gate, and we go inside. And then they close the gate. And this is other inmates opening the gate. And um, they got their Santa Muerte shrine, which Santa Muerte is the spirit of death. They call her a she. And she's a she demon. She's the spirit of Jezebel, same thing. Um, And they believe that she's going to protect them from dying from unnatural causes, basically getting stabbed, shot, or something. And... uh, we give out Gospel Johns, and we say, okay, turn with us. And we give out, we start going through the scriptures with them. This presence of God comes in. The guy on the right gets on his face and starts crying. These guys all give their life to Christ. And then we tell them again, the word of God is your life. It's your life now. This is how you were meant to live. What you once knew in the past now, you are a new creation. You are brand new. All your shame, your guilt, your condemnation, everything that you are powerless over, you now have power. We leave there, and uh, we go to uh, solitary confinement. And uh, now these guys are the old guys. These are the guys that we've been doing, um, I call them the bad guys. They've been the bad guys for a really long time. And these guys have probably murdered so many people they couldn't even tell you we go inside with them it is a dungeon with a few lights from the cracks in the cement shining in they got a big santa muerte shine in there too because they're worshiping that and there's a there's a bed that they one cot and they probably rotate sleeping on the cot um and we uh passed out gospel johns all the guys stood up they shower bathe in the same room um, stinks horrible. And we go through the scriptures again, pass them out. Let's go through the scriptures. There's this one young buck over here on the corner, and he's laughing, and tears are trying to come out, and he's trying to laugh and mock at us. And at the same time, the tears are coming out, and he gives up at the end. He gives his life to Christ. They all give their life to Christ. And the presence of God was tangible. My friend continues to go back to that prison, and the word of God is growing in that prison. And the thing is, the gospel is powerful. It is so powerful. The scriptures are so powerful. There is nothing that can compare to it. There is nothing that can bring relief to your soul 
like the Psalms. Oh, my goodness. When I'm heavy and I get in the Psalms and read it, oh, how good I feel. And um, so God's moving amongst the, the cartels. He's bringing them in. I watched a man deny the gospel. I begged for him to give his life to Christ. I was down in, um, I say it wrong, Teotihuacan. It's so hard, this place. Um, but this place is where they call it, the ratas are, the, all the thieves, city of thieves. And um, this guy, I say, hey, these, we had a missions team from <laughs> Colorado come and blonde, blonde hair, blue-eyed girls. They're like 16 with me, and there's a girl with us that can interpret. And so I'm like, hey, let's go minister to this guy over here. He needs Jesus. So we go over there, and uh, he starts sharing his story, and he's like, you guys don't know what I've done. You guys don't know what I've done. You guys have no, no clue. At my house right now, I got grenades. I got machine guns. I've killed people. Like, you don't know what I've done. And he's crying. And I'm saying, do you understand that the blood of Jesus could set you free from all of that heaviness, that guilt, that condemnation that you go to sleep with every night, that you're, it is tormenting you, all of those demons, that Santa Muerte on your arm, can, he can set you free completely. Do you understand? I'm pleading with this guy, and these little girls are like, oh, what is going on here? <laughs> and he's like crying, and he's like, I can't change. I can't. And he starts walking away, bawling, saying how much he couldn't change. And I was like, no, you can be free today, forever. That is the truth. It does not matter what you've done. He can set you free. It doesn't matter. It's the power of the gospel. The gospel's powerful. There's nothing powerful than the blood of Jesus. More powerful. It is so powerful. We, um, we've been ministering with the immigrants, and um, they, uh, I love hearing their stories. I love sitting there with them. I love leading them to Christ. And uh, I've told them, I, I tell them so much about Jesus, and I tell them that it's the only thing that's going to make them happy. Um, I never encourage them to go back to their country. That's not what I want. I want them to be citizens in heaven. Citizens in heaven. And the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. He can do what he wants to do once I get him to where they need to be. And uh, we had a woman that we prayed for from Cuba. She was on her way to the U.S. Um, she was, this was in the legal place that we were at. Um, and uh, she had hemorrhages for a long time. She was having hemorrhages in her, in her body in the lower abdomen. And um, we got word three weeks after that she was totally, completely healed after we prayed for her. Jesus is a healer. And in the land that we live, we have to tell the people that he is the only healer. There is no other healer. There no witch doctor's going to heal you. There no putting an egg under the bed, and when it turns colors, it means you're healed. No, that's garbage. That's complete garbage. And there's some of you who know what I'm talking about because there's grandmothers who've done that because it was traditional. Tradition does not mean it's okay. Jesus is the healer. And if you've done those things, you need to break those things off because that's witchcraft. Um, so we're going now. And we're, 
I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm so frustrated. And I'm like, why am I so frustrated? What's going on? I'm not understanding. They started asking me to do things that I didn't want to do. Hey, can you go pick up the refrigerator? Hey, can you go pick up the donation of the shoes? And I start thinking to myself, no, God, I could do that in Madeira. That's not what I came here for. I can pick up donations in Madeira. I came here to fill stadiums for the glory of God. You told me 100 million souls, 2012, one whole month. You told me 100 million souls. The nation of Mexico would be saved. There's 120 million people in Mexico documented. You told me there's 25 million people in Mexico City. That means all of Mexico City will get saved. I'm thinking these things like, no, God, this is what I came for. This is what I came for. And the Lord is like, Shane, do you know who the greatest in the kingdom is? It's the least of these. It's the servant of all. That's who I call the greatest. It's not by walking in the power of signs and wonders. And I, I pursue these things because I am to, I'm to grow in these things. The scriptures ask this of us. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, God, yes. And I'm still kind of frustrated. And I open up the, the word of God. The word of God is the number one way that he speaks to us. And I start to read John 15. And it was like the audible voice of God speaking to me. And I'm going to read it to you. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He's like, Shane, man, that phrase stuck out so strong. I'm pruning you. I'm showing you what you thought was awesome and great. There, in my eyes, wasn't really the awesome and greatness. I'm going to remove those things from you. I'm going to remove the things that are lesser than. I want to prune all the fat off around your heart so that you can have my heartbeat. This is what I'm doing to you. I'm like, wow, what in the world? I'm, I, I know what it's like to be going through the pruning season in the natural. I got in a fight in high school, and I got beat up horrible from a kid from San Jose. Man, he jacked me up. I had horns sticking out of my head, and I was like, we were skaters, you know, and it was over a dumb situation. I think he said I couldn't kickflip very good, and um, boy, he rocked my world. And um, my dad, I came home, and my dad looked at me, and he said, son, my son will never lose a fight again. He said, you're going to go out and prune those grapes, sun up to sundown. And I got suspended on a Thursday, a Friday. I had the weekend, and I had a Monday off. And he said, every single day, and I want you to think about what you did. And so I'd be out there with Jose, and we were pruning grapes. He didn't prune from sun up to sundown. And I was cold, and I was getting whipped in the face by the by. The branches, as I cut them, and you had to cut them just right, and it hurt. But I was, I was pruning them, and I was seeing that if you didn't prune it right, that the fruit wouldn't bear right. And the Lord started showing me, you remember, Shane, the pain that you felt? It's going to be painful, and it's going to take some time. But it's worth it. I am the good vine dresser. The vine dresser, that word actually means husbandsman. 
He knows right where to prune. And is, he is the tender vine dresser. He knows right where to cut in your life to where you can prune, that he, where he can prune you to where you can bear the best fruit in your life. And this whole time I'm thinking signs, wonders, miracles, salvations galore. That's what I'm thinking. And he's saying, you know what the fruit I'm talking about? I'm talking about my character. I got messed up. I'm talking about looking like me. You were made to look like him. More than bearing the fruit of signs, wonder, salvation. He wants you to look like his son. That's the heart of the father. I want you to look like my son, Jesus. I want you to love like him. They will know you are Christians by your love. Not for arms growing out. Not by getting out of wheelchairs. Yes, those things will testify the power of God. But ultimately, they will know you are Christians by the response of the heart. The way you treat your wife. I'm serious. Man, he's jacking me up right now. I'm telling you. I'm like, oh my goodness. Bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. These are things that he showed me. Shane, you know how you, you get frustrated and you dry your kids off real fast because you're into the day and you're tired? That matters to me how aggressive you are with them. Love is tender and nice to the kids. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, man, I was like, what? You know the way that you're responding to your wife, snappy because you're tired? I know you're tired, but that's no excuse. Love is more powerful than being tired. That matters to me. I started to recognize the voice of the enemy like never before. You know, the voice of the enemy gets you focused on yourself. He does. It's about me. It's about me. And these are things that he would say to me. You see how you're not in that meeting? Because it's, you don't really need to be here. When you get into pruning season... You start to kind of doubt what was happening, what God was speaking in the season before. But what was happening in the season before was preparing you for the next season. So you still hold on to what God was saying because it hurts in the pruning season. But yet in the pruning season, there's joy that is happening. Because at, at the end of John 15 and John 16, he says, so that your joy may be full. So you can still bear fruit in pruning. You can still experience joy, but yet you still feel the pain of what he is highlighting and say, I want to remove this from your life. I started, I started recognizing that he was getting me focused on me, what I'm going to do for the kingdom, what I'm going to do for him. And he's like, no, get out of the way. <laughs> I have so much more I want to do. You got to get out of the way. So he started to show me the voice of the enemy. Started to recognize that when I started to think things like, oh, the, that my wife is just thinking like a woman. She doesn't understand what I'm saying. That was the voice of the devil. I know she heard me and she knows what I'm saying. The enemy was trying to bring discord amongst us. No, that is not okay. I have to know that she's hearing me. She, she's hearing me. And I, I'm being personal and I don't... I, God, help us. Um, so I continue to read. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. 
Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That doesn't say a little bit. It says nothing without him. The beauty of this illustration is that the vine and the branches are interact with each other. The vine is what gives all the fruits, or all the nutrients, all the sugars to the vine, to the branch, so that the branch can have the proper resource to have the right amount of sugar, the highest quality of sugar, if possible, by the way that it's pruned and the way that it's watered. And then in return, the branch sends back all of those things back to the to the vine, and it keeps going back and forth, back and forth. And it is the picture of our relationship with Christ. He gives you the nutrients. He gives you the words of life to him. And in return, he's asking that you send it back to him. God loves himself. And he loves for you to talk to him about him. He loves it. He loves it when you talk to him about the work and the kingdom of God and and the scriptures. When you pray the scriptures to him, he loves it. He's confident in himself. He, there is not a, a uh, there is not one doubt in himself. He doesn't need any resource of anything. He doesn't have to ask us for resource. He has all the resource. He has full confidence in himself. And we are invited into that confidence so that we can have confidence in him. And we respond with confidence in situations in our life. The reason why you have the comforter is because you were made to be in uncomfortable positions so that he can comfort you. It is the truth. I never felt more comfortable than being in solitary confinement with a bunch of killers. They had the keys to the gate. I'm serious. You were made to have the comforter to comfort you in situations. He was made to comfort you in financial situations. He was made to comfort you in obstacles in your marriage. He was made to comfort you in giving your couch away to somebody and you didn't have one. Like, this is what he was made for, to comfort you and in that comfort bringing joy. I'm serious. And you'll never know the comforter until you put yourself in the position to meet him. We have to meet the comforter. So step out in faith and do do something that would cause the comforter to meet you. So I'm going through this. He's pruning me, and he's like, Shane, it's going to take a long time. And I'm like, yeah, two months. That would be good. And he's like, how about a year? I'm going to prune you for like a year. I'm like, oh, God. And I realized the worst thing that a man can do is to deny the pruning process when you're invited. We have to accept it because it's for us when he prunes us, when he highlights areas of the heart that he wants to deal with. It's for us. It's for our good so we can be more like his son. So I'm like, okay, I accept the pruning season. I'm going to do this. Time goes by, and uh, now we are in going into Guadalajara, Colima, Colima. Colima is the most beautiful. Colima and Jalisco are gorgeous. And uh, we live in the desert in Tamaulipas, and I tell the founder, I said, why did you plant the missions base here? We could have been under the volcano in Colima and grown coffee and had jackfruit everywhere and papaya and whatever we want. I mean, it would have been beautiful, uh, but that's not the Lord's plan. And um, so we are seeing amazing fruit take place. 
um, the, uh, that young lady right there that was manifesting a demon, she was yelling and, and saying, kill me, I'm not coming out, and going back and forth Spanish and English. And uh, that night I was ministering and was calling people out. Lord's giving me words of knowledge about people, and God was moving. There were people getting healed, jumping around. It was just beautiful. I'm alive, alive in my heart. God's moving, powerful. Spent most of the day in prayer, seeking his face, ready for God to move. He's moving. It's awesome. And uh, that girl, she got delivered completely. She was sold at the age of 11 by her parents into human trafficking from one next step, from one molestation after one molestation after abuse after abuse after one thing after another. She became an animal into survival mode. Come near me and I'll cut you. That's the response of the girl. I don't blame her. Um, she was a believer. She got, that day she got completely, utterly set free. The next day we set her down for a couple hours and we ministered to her through going and releasing the things that she was, had so much hatred for. And um, God is moving in her life. It was like amazing in Colima. We're having fruit on the street. People are getting healed. Um, we go to the next, and uh, we get on to the, the next city. We're in Puerto Vallarta. God is moving. Same thing starts happening. A woman starts manifesting. So before she goes out, because once they go out, it takes way too long. And um, so then we call a woman to go over, grab her. She takes her off to the side. Uh, the next thing you know, she's getting delivered um, be, just from crazy stuff. God's moving. People are being healed. It's absolutely amazing. God is moving. Now I'm getting tired. And uh, I'm tired. The whole team is tired. I'm getting snappy with Naomi. And, uh, and then I'm, I'm just like, end of the day, Dad is what I call it. Tell my kids, okay, it's end of the day, Dad. Have mercy on me. I'm a little rough. Um, and it was end of the day, Dad, all day long. Um, I'm dead inside, absolutely dead inside. And God is moving, dead inside. I would much rather be alive inside than seeing all the stuff happen. I would much rather be alive. So it comes to um, Guadalajara. We're in Guadalajara, and I'm, I'm a visual person, so I'm going to show you how it was done. And I just uh, went to our room. The kids knocked out. Had to have been God. They fall asleep. Naomi's on the bed. I had to get before God. I'm busy. I'm busy doing ministry. I'm busy moving boxes. I'm busy praying for the sick. I'm busy winning souls. And God is moving and having amazing fruit. But now my character's lacking. And I was dead inside. And I get on my face and I'm, I'm like, God, I'm dead inside. I'm dead, God. I'm so dead. What is it? What are you wanting to show me? Why, what is, why am I feeling this way? Why? Shane, do you remember how you snapped at Omar and you snapped at Abraham? Yes. Tomorrow you're going to go repent. Yes, that might have been one word, but your heart was wrong. Okay. Hey, the way you're treating your wife, stop it. Cut it out. 
It's hurting her. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. God, I need, I need revival inside of me. I'm dead. He started to show me the things that I was lacking in my character. My character was getting in the way. I lay my head down. It was interesting, too, because on the drive to Puerto Vallarta, I kept saying, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I don't know why. I just kept saying it. But it was the Holy Spirit really bringing the word to me and saying, I need to revive you according to the word. I wasn't putting the two together. I laid my head down on the bed, and I saw Psalm 32 plain as day, and I read it. And I'm going to read it to you. It is so powerful. It is for you. Psalm 32 is the power of repentance of the believer. Oh, happy, how happy and fulfilled are those whose rebellion has been forgiven. Those whose sins are covered by blood. How blessed and relieved are those who have confessed their corruption to God. For he wipes their slates clean. He removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confess my sins... I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never left up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped from me. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. I was experiencing verse 5. I was experiencing it. I was, my strength was removed. I was tired. I was falling asleep. My strength was removed. I was tired. I felt like I was zapped from the inside. Not alive at all. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life giving God, my life giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions. And you forgave me all at once. The guilt of my sin was washed away and all my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. Every time. You feel the frustration? If you're frustrated, get on your face. Get on your face. God, what is it? It's the heavy hand of conviction upon you because you weren't made to live frustrated. You were made to be free where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. You were made to live free. You were made to live feeling completely free without heaviness upon your heart. Lord, you are my secret hiding place. Protect me from these troubles. Surround me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue, releasing my breakthrough. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway of your life. I would advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. In other words, get out of the way. Just respond when, I, when I'm nudging on your heart. When I say, hey, can I spend five seconds with you? Just respond. Get those five seconds. Go to the bathroom and sit there with them. Even if you're doing it while you're visiting with somebody. You might feel weird, but you got to push past the weirdness. Sorry. uh, Sorry. No, that doesn't say sorry. Verse 10. So my conclusion is this. 
Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who do not come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, his wraparound love will surround you. So celebrate the goodness of God. He shows like the kind shows this kindness to everyone who is his. Go ahead, shout for joy, all you upright ones who want to please him. It is a joy and a privilege that we can come before God and he can lift our hearts. It is a joy and a privilege. There is no other God that can do that. Can you imagine? There is over a million gods in India and they pray to them and they will never hear their voice, ever. They'll always feel heavy. They will never know what it's like to be free on the inside. Repentance is a gift. Confessing to God our shortcomings is a gift. It is not something we should dread. It's something that we should say, God, I'm so thankful that your mercy can cover these things. I see these these little things that come in the way. They're just blockages from us getting to the next experience and hearing God's voice and experiencing his love and knowing how to go forth. He wants to remove those obstacles. So God has been removing obstacles in my life. He's been showing me that he wants me to be more like his son. They will know we are Christians by our love for one another. Not by signs, wonders, miracles, salvations. And I go for that. Oh, I go for it. We're going to pray for the sick today. But they will know by our love. Zechariah 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, verse 3, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Man, this is way too epic for me to read it that way. Let me sh- let's do this again. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, Jesus, angel of the Lord, and Satan standing on the right side to oppose Joshua. He's standing over here opposing Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. This is not a brand plucked from the fire. Now Joshua was clothed clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. The the devil is a father, and he is a father of lies. We have to stop telling exaggerations. When we exaggerate, it's lying. I refuse to lie. There are seven things that it says in the scripture that God hates. And one of them is lying. And the enemy stands and he accuses God about you and he accuses you about God. God's never going to heal your body. You got prayer a hundred times and nothing happened. He's never going to heal your relationship. He doesn't even really care. This person is talking about Jesus as a bunch of baloney. That's how he is. 
He lies. That's all he does. And we cannot buy into the lies of the enemy. We can't buy into the lies about what he says about our children. He can't buy into the lies that he says about our wives, about our family. We have to look everything through the eyes of Christ because Christ is standing and defending you. What did he do? He clothed you with the blood of Jesus. He gave you a new robe. He put a, fi- a ring on your finger. And he said, this is my son. You are now a king and a priest. And you have access before the throne of God. Everything that is mine is yours, Shane. That's what he says every day. He shuts the trap of the enemy. We have to stop believing the lies of the enemy. Where does your source come from? Jesus. Where does your help come from? You might have been doing this 30 years, and he wants to strengthen you today. He wants to give you new, fresh vision and fire like you never had before. I'm telling you, that's his desire. Jesus surrounds himself with fire. It says that his angels are ministers of fire. There's legions of angels Thousands, uh, 10,000 by 10,000 by 10,000, Daniel tells us, before the throne of God. Burning flames of fire, worshiping the king of kings. It says that his, there's, a, there's a river of fire that proceeds from the throne. And he wants to put it in you. It says that the sea of glass around the throne is mingled with fire. God's a pyromaniac. He loves fire. And he loves to set you on fire. And he likes to burn up the old and put in the new constantly. That's what he likes to do. And we just have to say, God, do it.